Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Chris Graham. I've got the pleasure of uh, being able to welcome uh, the authors of the book From Tidewater to the Shenandoah, Snapshots from Virginia's Rich Baseball Legacy here on the podcast today, David Driver and Lacey Lusk. Uh, David, uh, Lacey, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, great uh, having you guys. And uh, your book is about uh, it's, it's snapshots of, of, of Virginia baseball uh, just uh, across the spectrum there. David, I mean, th- it runs the gamut. Players, coaches, scouts, uh, maybe take, take the listeners into uh, how this book came about. Wow. Well, th- thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Um, I, I think what we try to do, first of all, is to represent the entire state. Um, I have not been able to come across a book that covered the entire state. And there's been some books about Norfolk. There's been some books about Richmond, um, black baseball. But we wanted to represent the entire state the best we could. And we also wanted to represent as many levels as we could. Um, to answer your question more specifically, um, I had finished up a basketball book back in February and spring training was right around the corner. Um, I, I had years ago, I thought about doing a book, some sort of baseball book, and it just seemed like a good time for it. So I approached Lacey. Um, Lacey and I have talked about doing a podcast together in the past and that we never were able to pull that off. But um, the timing seemed right. As you know, Chris, I'd been the sports editor in Harrisonburg for almost two years. So I had collected some stories um, through that time and then before growing up there and working there in the 1980s. And of course, Lacey's worked in several papers around the state. So it it all came together really nicely and and it was a lot of fun to work on. Lacey, when this idea came up, uh, what was your thinking in terms of what you wanted to to focus on in your attention in the book? I know I've written, I've co-written a couple of basketball books and I know that each writer kind of brings their own uh, imprint to the, uh, to the, to the idea that's out there. I remember reading uh, the one you co-wrote on the 2019 national champion uh, basketball team at UVA. So thanks for mentioning uh, that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was uh, three different authors, wasn't it? Or It was actually four. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew it was more than two. So yeah. Yeah. That takes even more of a split. Uh, but uh, we have a lot in common. We found from our times sitting next to each other in the nationals press box, where even though we're watching the big league games, a lot of things kind of kick in or, or trigger memories of uh, lower levels like college and minor leagues, especially, and even high schools. And that's what we wanted to uh, kind of get out there more than the, just the obvious MLB, but just how many uh, great stories there are to tell about baseball and the sport of Virginia. I've spent a lot of time myself um, uh, at the uh, – sort of the ground level of baseball. I was a play-by-play announcer for the Waynesboro Generals in the Valley League for several years, and I've done play-by-play work uh, for ESPN Plus on VMI games primarily the last few years. Um, so I, I love those stories that come up. Of course, I mean, you know, I was I was the kind of guy who, and I'm sure you guys were the same way, you'd see somebody maybe, you know, make it in the minor leagues, maybe even make it to the major leagues and say, hey, I remember that guy win. Um, are those kind of stories, David, are th- talk, talk about those kind of stories that maybe – um, are, are highlighted in this book. Yeah, and, and Lacey, be sure to mention your Brian O'Connor story from when uh-huh. you started out. Um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was fortunate to play in the county league for a couple of years. I, I wasn't very good, but, um, you know, I played D3 for a year. So, 
you know, I tell people, you know, I got to play against Lorenzo Bundy in the county league in the 1980s. And here's a guy who was, you know, one of JMU's all-time home run hitters, um, made it to AAA as a player after not being drafted. Uh, he, you know, he almost made the major leagues as a player. And then, of course, he was a coach for the, the Rockies and the Marlins and the Dodgers. So stories like that, I mean, he's included in the book. Um, you know, that's just one of hundreds. And, and I think we, you know, I'm biased because I'm from Harrisonburg. You know, I covered the Valley League as well back in the 1980s. So when you have the County League and the Valley League right there beside each other, I think that makes Virginia a little bit unique. Okay, Lacey, we've been teased with a Brian O'Connor story. Let's hear it. So uh, 1993, the first uh, professional team I covered was the Martinsville Phillies, a rookie-level team uh, that doesn't exist anymore, but um, they now have a Coastal Plain League amateur team down there. Um, but Martinsville's about 12 miles from the North Carolina border, and uh, that was – turns out it was Brian O'Connor's one year – uh, in playing in minor league baseball. Uh, he had pitched at Creighton uh, and he was named the opening day starter for Martinsville. And I was about to go uh, cover them playing down in uh, Burlington, North Carolina. So got to talk to him and do a feature on him. And little did I know uh, he'd end up as Notre Dame's pitching coach at such a young age and then uh, coaching Virginia baseball. Um, but he already was a college world series legend for what he had done at Creighton. Um, so that was interesting. And uh, turns out in the book, uh, David men mentions his time in the Valley League as well as a pitcher. So, and his numbers weren't bad at all uh, for Martinsville, but I, I guess he knew stuff wise that there would be a limit on how high he could get in the minor leagues. One thing I love about baseball, and also, I mean, a lot of folks don't know about baseball, maybe who, who only maybe watch the major leagues, is just how tough it is to get there. I mean, you know, because of all of our experiences, maybe with the Valley league, Rockingham County league, uh, you know, the college baseball circuit, um, you see guys who are great at those levels. Um, and, and, you know, then, then they get to the minor leagues and maybe flame out in you know, low a or high a or double a, you, you know, their friend of mine got to triple a <laughs> and, you know, I appreciate that, but, I don't know that fans know just how hard it is. And I'm sure the book goes into a little bit of that. David, talk about that. It's good. David. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I think you fro froze there a little bit. I'm oh, sorry um, about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won't, this isn't a Virginia story, but I, I, I look back to your point, Chris, of Michael Jordan's year of playing minor league baseball and, and, you know, if you're on social media, he just gets ripped for hitting whatever it was. Ten, Lacey would know 210, 220. I don't, I don't think people realize how, how difficult and how impressive that was. I mean, I played a year at D3. I'm guessing if I tried to hit double A pitching, I would have certainly hit below 100. And here's a guy who hits 220 with some pop. You know, I mean, that was really impressive. And again, that's that's not a Virginia story. But to your point, Chris, I mean, I, I've seen so many guys who have put up great numbers at single A that never go above that. And so you're right. I mean, and, and players will tell you it's 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 so it's one thing to get to the major leagues. It's another thing to stay there. Another aspect uh, of the book, uh, Lacey, I'll ask you about this. 
Um, I, 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 in my days, especially in the Valley League now, I'll, I'll throw it back to there, running into scouts. Occasionally, because I would broadcast games, I would get phone calls from, from cross-checkers. Hey, I'm, I'm uh, looking at this guy. What did you think? You called his game. What did you think of him? And I'm, one, I'm honored <laughs> that you're asking my opinion, but I can never figure out when I'm watching guys on the field uh, at, at a Valley League game, uh, a college game, okay, there's 50 guys in the two dugouts. One of these guys might make it somewhere. How, how, how they pick that up. Talk about the. I know scouts are highlighting this book, Lacey, and, and, and their jobs, their jobs are not easy at all. No, they're not. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking with this whole Aaron Judge chase, you know, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout were both first round picks, but they were late first round picks. Albert Pujols went way after that. Like, there, there's no slam dunk. This guy's definitely going to make it. Um, there are, of course, the Ryan Zimmermans who are top five picks who do and have long, uh, fruitful major league careers, but just about anybody can scout them, I'm sure. Um, so the scouts can separate themselves based on uh, who they get much later in the draft. Yeah. Uh, the story of Tyler Zombro, uh, you know, I, I know he pitched uh, at George Mason. He's also a local kid for, for my audience, my, a lot of my audience uh, uh, in, in the Stanton, Waynesboro, Augusta County area. And for, for those who uh, might remember the story, he was, he was hit with a line drive uh, in the head while pitching uh, in AAA. David, he, he made it back this past year, and that was quite a surprise. I know he's highlighting the book. Talk about Tyler. Yeah, um, thanks. I mean, um, I, was, I was the sports editor of the news record the night that happened, and, and I saw it on Twitter. Um, and, it, you know, he, like you said, he, he pitched at Stanton High, pitched at George Mason. Um, you know, and they pl- they were playing the Norfolk Tides that night to make it even more of a Virginia story, and so it it, it certainly did not look good. Um, and I I didn't I knew a little bit about him, but um, I was very fortunate, and I feel honored that his parents reached out to me um, a, about a week after the accident and and talked to me on the record for the Harrisonburg papers because I had kind of had a relationship with him before, so I was honored for that. Um, and then the story got national attention after that as well. So, yeah, like you said, Chris, um, a lot of rehabilitation um, down in, I, I'm sure, at Duke's hospital. And then he did return to AAA for Durham this year and pitched. Um, so, and I, I did text his mother a little, a few weeks ago, and um, he did have an injury. So he was on the injured list and, and didn't finish the season, but um, a pretty remarkable comeback. And I think it, it is one of the, the the most inspiring stories in our book. And, and to return to AAA, I mean, you know, to return at all, much less to go yeah. back to the yeah. doorstep, the major leagues. Um, right. Lacey, Lacey, what's your favorite story uh, of the ones you contributed to the book? That's an easy question for me to ask. And I'm sure <laughs> as a writer, I know they're all my favorite stories, but maybe maybe <laughs> highlight one. Uh, in terms of new material, my favorite one was uh, talking to the University of Richmond uh, coach Tracy Woodson, uh, just kind of all about his career as a World Series winner with the Dodgers, uh, as a longtime minor league player, even with the Richmond Braves, uh, as a college referee. Uh, he just had some great stories to tell uh, in terms of a longer term, just memory. Memories was Billy Wagner. Um, also, I got to see him pitch when I lived in Martinsville because um, mm-hmm. Sparham was uh, within an hour or so, and they pit, played a uh, 
one of their division three games at Hooker field where the Martinsville Phillies played. And uh, what a treat to watch him pitch against division three competition was uh, not fair at all, but very fun to be there in the front row. I'm sure that is. That's, that's one of those things. Even when we think we're seeing stars playing and you, you wonder who's going to get there, seeing Billy Wagner against D3 guys. Yeah, that would, that would stand out. Um, Lacey, you had a chance to think, or excuse me, David, you had a chance to think about this now because I asked the question of Lacey, what's your favorite story of the ones you contributed? Um, well, I'll, I'll go back a little ways. I, I do love baseball history and, and I didn't want it to be a book about baseball history. I don't want to turn off a new generation with stories from the 1960s and 1970s, even though we've gotten a lot of feedback about that. I was really honored to talk to Willie Horton. Um, again, going way back, star of the, the 1968 Detroit Tigers team that won the World Series and Wayne Comer was a member of that Tigers team. He's from Shenandoah in Page County High. So we had two Virginians on that 1968 team. Um, Willie Horton uh, was born in a really small coal mining town in Southwest Virginia, came from a large family. His family left Southwest Virginia and moved to the, the projects of Detroit back in, I'm guessing, the late 50s, early 60s when he was about, he was really young, grew up, went to you know, grew up and went to high school in Detroit and helped the Tigers win a World Series right after the riots there in the 1960s. So it's a it's a pretty amazing story. Um, I talked to him on the phone a couple weeks ago. The Tigers set me up with an interview with him. He had great memories of Southwest Virginia. Uh, he goes back there with his grandson. Um, actually, was in Page County a couple years ago to do a clinic with Wayne Comer. So I, that was one of my favorite, getting a chance to talk to Willie Horton who has the most, he and Justin Upton, Justin Upton have the most home runs of any Virginia native to ever play in the major league. So I didn't know Willie Horton was a Virginia guy. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We learned something already. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, Lacey, I, I had Lacey on, on a few months ago. We talked Nats minor league baseball prospects. And since we talked, the big trade happened. It's we've had two months to, to compress, you know, decompress from that with Juan Soto going, I liked when I first saw the trade uh, and, and what the Nats got in terms of their haul um, from the Padres. Um, I want to get your assessment. Um, you know, wh- how do you think the Nats fared in that trade? Oh, I think that uh, we're starting to already see the fruits with CJ Abrams and his uh, walk off hit and three hit night against the Braves on Wednesday night. And uh Unfortunately, McKenzie Gore is not quite going to make that one start at the end of the season, but those are the two at the top level. And you go all the way down to the young guy, Arlene Susana, pitched at the very end of the year at Fredericksburg. And, of course, James Wood, Robert Hassel the third. Uh, you know, they just got an impressive group of guys coming in um, at a point where I think there wasn't enough around Soto to not make the trade personally. But it was a hard day for sure. But. I, th- I think they'll find it was worth it. Um, they and uh, the Mar- uh, the Padres and the Mariners gave up some prospects to get what they got, and and they're hoping to go far in the postseason this year. Um, but uh, the Reds and the Nationals might have might both end up winners as well in the long run. Yeah, that that with the Nationals got, I, I thought at the time when I analyzed it at the time, I thought that. that they couldn't have done better. I mean, you know, you almost always get fleeced in those deals when you're trading your star away. Um, returns but usually, if you're trading four for one or fine. getting four or for getting one, one, you're not getting uh, much at the top end. But yeah, um, I think that just got to the point where they couldn't say no to that that kind of package. 
Yes, indeed. Hey, David, as we're as we're wrapping up, you're you're actually in, in Nats Park right now as we're talking. Yeah, um, it, it, as you, uh, they had to, to play an early game today um, with rain on the way. Um, so it was probably my last chance to, to get to Nats Park this season. Um, so I, I took advantage of it. Um, they they Chris and they gave out these today to the press because I guess it's a promotion this weekend. So I will certainly you know, I will. I will give it to a friend, but um, it feels like I told him, where are the gloves? Where are the scarves? Where are the coats? I, so it, it's even chilly with the windows closed. So, yeah, so it was good to, good to be back here. I'm not here a lot, but it, it's always a great opportunity when I can. So You're holding up a winter hat there. And I think, I mean, I, I'm sitting in my office and it feels like I could use one too. I'm wondering if, is, you know, uh, early season college baseball games are, are free mm-hmm. coffee and hot chocolate games. Is there, is there free coffee? Coffee and hot chocolate there at Nats Park for you guys? There, there was coffee. And in fact, Lacey and I, when we started this book, uh, and we went to a UVA game in late February, and um, I have on the same coat I have now. So, um, yeah, baseball kind of runs the gamut. So, yeah, there is coffee available, Chris. I'll save some for you. That's <laughs> very good. Very good. You if you leave now, you can maybe catch the second game, which, of course, will probably get rained out. So I would suggest you stay where you are. I'll stay where I am. I'll bundle up. I'll, I'll turn it on. I'll, I'll watch the, the the vintage game, if that's the case tonight, um, on Masson. The book is From Todd Water to the Shenandoah, Snapshots from Virginia's Rich Baseball Legacy. For our listeners out there, we'll have a link on the site to where you can get the book uh, there online directly. Um, David Driver, Lacey Lusk, thank you so much for your time today. Our Thanks, pleasure. Chris. Thank you.